Welcome to Origin Point, Episode 8, where we talk to Kimberly Eads Ransom. All right, Heidi, what's your Fortnite update? Well, I've had a really incredible last two weeks, to be completely frank with you. We had our um, maker meetup at our house a couple of weekends ago, and actually it was last weekend, which was super cool. We had a ton of people... Figments made, Sharon drove in from New Jersey. We had quite a few people from the Pittsburgh area that came in and they tried their hand at pottery. We turned on the really crappy lathe that we had, which our friends uh, got it set up for everybody and everybody got to take a turn making a spindle. Um, Figments made, she made a handle for a, um, what's it called, a pizza cutter. One of those little wheel things. Yeah. She and I took a little trip in the morning before everybody got here to Woodcraft. So it was her first time at Woodcraft, which was really fun to see somebody's reaction in that store. She was super impressed. And she came out with arms loads of <laughs> material. Nice. Which I, I don't yeah. think that's hard to do there. Uh, no. Yeah. So I picked up some lumber for Ben for some bandsaw box projects that he had going on. Um, mainly I was just there to like support her and pick up some things for Ben. I didn't really, I'm not a woodworker, so it's not one of those things where I like get giggly over. It's not like going to the pottery store. (laughs) (laughs) Not a woodworker yet. Not a woodworker (laughs) yet. Um, just like not a blacksmith yet. Not a... (laughs) You'll get those bugs eventually. I know. I know. I mean, I, I enjoy it, but I definitely... I, I have my path, and I really – there's yeah, so just, much fulfillment here. They just opened the Rockler store in North Houston, and it's it's not but about 20, 30 minutes from me. And, um, yeah, it's every time I go in there, I, I make sure I leave my wallet in the car. Yeah, it's dangerous, right? <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. dangerous. Oh, my goodness. So how was this past weekend? This past weekend, I it was pretty good. It was a lot of just recuperating from the previous weekend. So um, – and, and, like – you know, I do my pottery on the weekends, so I had a lot of work that I had to finish up that I didn't get to finish up when everybody was here. So I did a lot of throwing. I worked on a lot of commissions. I opened the kiln yesterday with a live feed video of a glaze fire that was really successful. Really happy with those things. And then today I did some more throwing. And I made my first yarn bowl today. So we'll see how that turns awesome. out. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. How about you? Um, I feel like, I feel like it's not getting very far here, but I know there's been lots to be accomplished. Um, I got like our fridge painted and then hooked up with water. Um, we, we had to paint it cause it had some surface rust on it. What could you expect for a free fridge? Yeah. And then, uh, we got just, uh, unboxing a lot more stuff, a lot fewer boxes around here. Um, uh, the, the shop, I finally got, uh, the electricians come in next month and he's going to hook everything up and so now i've been kind of really trying to think of how i want to set the shop up and unfortunately i feel like i want to reverse everything that's out there so because <laughs> uh, like the workbench is on a slight step like a two or three inch step that's level in the garage and then like the the storage shelves are on the slope of the garage and i'm kind of like i hate this step because i'm always hitting it or it's like just enough to stand on and i'm like man i'm gonna fall off this so I kind of want to just rip that side out with a workbench and then just put shelving over there. And that way, you, you know, it, at least you're just on the one level of the garage. There's no, no step. Um, but 
mostly other than that, just um, just been trying to get stuff done, trying to find furniture for the different spots in the house. Uh, that's been the biggest thing. We've, we're still keeping an eye out for some sort of shelving, and I think I might wind up making some shelving for the living room. There's just a couple of spots that are oddly sized, like 40 inches mm-hmm. and on either side of the fireplace. And so I, I think I might make some shelving for that. That way um, we can just have some open storage space for the kid toys and, and DVDs and stuff because apparently we still live in the 2000s. And, you know, <laughs> those those DVDs have saved our lives when the Internet went out and we had no way to stream anything. DVDs yeah. were a lifesaver. We went to Walmart and we bought a ton of them. <laughs> so I got one better for you. Um, not only do we have, I've got two boxes of DVDs. They've literally been in storage for the past few years because we've, we've been moving around. And um, the the mother-in-law was asking me, she was like, she's like, do you guys have a VHS player? And I was like, oh, a VCR? I was like, yeah. I don't have one, and so like I looked, I looked it up on Amazon, and the cheapest one I could find was like two hundred and something dollars, like two hundred eighty something dollars. What? And it's, be, it's because they stopped making VCRs. And uh, I remember wow. reading an article years ago; they stopped making VCRs, and you can still find VCR DVD combos, but they're they're pricey; they're not cheap. And um, it was it was just shock to me, and I was like, man, but you can still find them at thrift stores. So I'll have to pick one up, and uh, I think that'll be a fun medium to introduce our kiddo to. That way, he can like put in the gigantic tape because <laughs> she actually has um uh she has probably upwards of five to six hundred vhs tapes still so and I, I don't have that many dvds but i was like you know what that'd be awesome he can just kind of rewatch what uh, my wife watched <laughs> growing up re-watch especially if the internet's not working yeah right so yeah so you know little things like that and uh but Looking for some sort of china hutch as well. Actually, we saw something that was cool. I didn't know this. There's something called a French cabinet, and it's about shoulder height. It's like five foot high or so for me. And um, so uh, shoulder height. <laughs> yeah. It's the top of and, my head. And, and, so it's <laughs> it's great because I was I was talking to my wife about it. It was like, well, this would be great because it has the one that we saw had two glass doors in the center, which you could see kind of like a china cabinet, and then on the outsides it had two solid doors, so you could store stuff that you don't you know you, you may not want to display. But the the top of it being five foot high or five, four and a half foot high, something like that, you could, I was like you could decorate the top of this and not have to worry about toddler hands. So. Right. Yeah, so we might look into something like that. I might have to do a little more investigating. So, you know, just trying to find the right pieces of furniture for the space and also with the kids. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. But, well, before we get into this next interview, I just want to let everybody know that if you wanted to catch the extended interview or more behind-the-scenes stuff, you can definitely go check our Patreon page out at patreon.com slash originpoint. So who did we talk to today, Heidi? Today we talked to Kimberly Eads Ransom, who is a gym owner, a gymnast, a Olympic powerlifter. Let's check it out. So, Kim, welcome to Origin Point. We're so glad that you chose to talk with us today. Yeah, I appreciate you coming by. Absolutely. Just to start off, we usually ask an icebreaker question. And that question is completely irrelevant to the entire conversation, but it helps the audience get to know the person behind the conversation a little bit in a different way. So the icebreaker question is, what do you drive? (laughs) I drive a beater. 
I do on purpose. It's a 2007 Jeep Cherokee and I drive it. This is a great question because when I opened my first gymnastics gym and I didn't know what I wanted to do at a certain point and I kind of got lost and decided to close, I sold everything and bought a vacation to Hawaii and this car. And so it lasted me through ventures and I still drive this car. And now I'm at the point where I can buy a new car, but I refuse to just out of simple. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll drive it till the wheels fall off. Are you in it right now? I am. How many miles do you got on it? 191,657. Ooh, that's a spicy meatball. You drive them into the ground like Jake does. Yeah, I was going to say, you got about 10,000 uh, 10, miles on my truck, and I drive a 96. <laughs> yeah, well, paying off student loans feels much better than having a new car, so that's how I feel about it. Yeah, that's exactly how my wife's feeling about that right now, too. She's, she just finished up everything, so she's, got a, she's staring down the barrel of some student loans right now. <laughs> yeah, good times. So uh, how would you kind of describe yourself and your, your interests? I have a lot of interests, and all of my interests usually turn into businesses, so I'm trying to not find any more interests until I've finished building these businesses. I gotcha. So could you tell us a little bit about those different businesses? Uh, gymnastics, obviously. That was my passion growing up, and that was sort of my hobby that has since turned into a vocation for me as an adult. So I have a gymnastics facility for kids, and um, I also enjoy Olympic weightlifting. So I'm looking to get into uh, the business of weightlifting a little bit more and um, it's definitely a hobby of mine. I like to do it for social reasons and just to, to keep in shape and give myself an outlet for competition. Um, but now I'm trying to bring that to the community a little bit more, um, kind of expand programming. And then uh, other than that, you know, I have the norm, the kids, the family, doing the laundry, that kind of stuff. <laughs> also a business in itself. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. Expensive yeah. business with the laundry. Jeez. Looking back at some of the things that you've been doing and you talked a little bit about how gymnastics was something that you enjoyed as a youth. Was there any point where you were like, I don't know if gymnastics is going to be part of my life moving forward? Or was it always just one of those things where like gymnastics was just always going to be part of your life in some way? I don't think I ever cut it out of my life um, on purpose, but it, it was always a part-time job for me. So once I sort of aged out of the competitive system um, after I graduated high school, um, typically you coach um, unless you want to work in a fast food restaurant. You know, that's usually your first job as a gymnast is to learn to coach. So I had always coached through college and my first real jobs, I always sort of uh, was a moonlighting gymnastics coach in the evenings and on the weekends. So it was more of a question of, can this be a full-time endeavor for my life or is this always going to remain a part-time gig for me? When you kind of think about all these different things that you enjoy, which of them are kind of your favorite? Well, I don't think I can pick a favorite. I think that, um, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like having kids. Each of them has a different, uh, you know, you love them all. They're all your babies, but they're all different. So the challenges that I have right now with the gymnastics facility are way different than the challenges that I have um, building a weightlifting program or, you know, the, the other little side shoots that I have. So, um, the gymnastics gym is at a different level of maturity now. So the challenges are different and, and managing that is different and kind of thinking of a long-term strategy is way different than a budding 
barely off the ground, brand new program. So um, I love them all. So looking back at all of these things that you enjoy, but like the gymnastics part specifically, um, when you look at the, the landscape of that, what did you enjoy the most? Was it being a gymnast, being a coach, being a gym owner, or helping other gyms? That's a really hard question. I think that coaching is probably the most enjoyable part of that because that's the point where you are positively influencing the most people and, and, you know, kids are easy to work with for the most part. Um, that's, that's where all the good stuff happens. You know, you, you get to work with the kids, you teach them new skills, you watch them build confidence, you make them happy. And then you see later down the line, how they've kind of formed their own identity off of gymnastics. And that's kind of the whole point. Um, so I would say for sure, coaching is still by far the most rewarding part of, of owning a gym. Do you ever wish that you were just a coach? No, I don't. I don't because, you know, when you're, I don't want to say just a coach, but when that's your responsibility, your reach doesn't go as far. Your fingers don't reach as far and you're kind of, your influence is relegated to just at that point in that time and, and you only, but as a gym owner, you know, I'm able to train other people to kind of do the same thing. And so my reach goes a little bit further and we can influence more kids that way. And that's really why I, I opened a gym because anytime you open a business, there's a little bit of ego involved. You think you can do it better than the next person, or you see an opportunity or a window for yourself to develop something great. And, you know, I've just felt like I had an opportunity to teach other people my way and, and my point of view. And so we reach a lot of kids um, in a really positive way in my neck of the woods that way. So so I wouldn't take it back. Well, it seems like a lot of the work that you do is pretty interconnected. Is your community or the people that surround yourself with similar? I, I would say that I'm probably wrapped up in a few different communities. So um, I stay, I kind of operate in zones, I guess. I, I have a business community that really helps me to, to examine what I'm doing business-wise and keep me on track in that realm. Um, and they help me with kind of strategic planning and, and just being my gut check. In terms of gymnastics, you know, we, I have a technical community so I can keep up on education and just to make sure that I'm teaching the kids the right things at all times. And then, you know, I have a weightlifting community and kind of a professional community there. So I would say I have my foot in the door in a lot of different places. Let's take it back to when you decided, I think I'm going to start my own gym. What did that look like? And how was that decision come to? That decision, I would say it was more of a progression. So I think it, for me, things always start small. It always starts with a seed. I was working for somebody else, working in tumbling. But while tumbling is a, and that would be uh, for non-gymnastics people, that's like the floor work and the flips that you would think of when you see gymnastics. So I was teaching that for somebody else's company. And I thought, you know what, this is great, but I can do more. And I think that I can go back to my first love and probably do, um, you know, start a gymnastics program. So I started very small and I had one phenomenal child and I thought, you know what, she needs teammates. You know, you just take the next step and you go find a couple teammates and then the ball just starts rolling. Um, and so the ball just started rolling and then, uh, you know, it just grew and kind of the natural progression of things. You find your own space, you make, you start making more decisions, you have more kids, and then you have to make bigger decisions about how to scale your business. And, uh, you know, you go through ups and downs and I had a major down and then, uh, decided to close 
and reopen again for the second time. And that was kind of the same thought process, you know, like, okay, I, I closed, I'm not doing this anymore. And I went back to grad school and kind of forced myself to take a good look at things and realized everything I'm learning, I'm still applying to gymnastics. So this is probably what I should do. And, but I should do a better job at it second time around. So that's why I reopened the second time. And it's been a completely different animal this time around for sure. Well, uh, would you say that closing that first gym and reopening the second time between those two, what what has kind of been your biggest challenge, so to speak? I mean, the biggest challenge was figuring out what I did wrong the first time and figuring out how to prevent that from happening a second time. Uh, The second time around, after I had convinced myself that this was a good idea, then I had to convince my husband it was a good idea. So in having to gear up for that conversation, I made a list of things that I would do differently and I'm still following that. So I found myself good support networks this time around. I got educated on business this time around. I had a solid vision this time around and those three things right there have made all of the difference in the world. From what I understand, you travel quite a bit talking to different folks in kind of the same community that you're in. Is there anything that you kind of see when you travel that you'd like to implement into your space? Is there anything in particular? The travel that I've been doing lately, um, this was kind of a 2018 uh, resolution for myself uh, because I took a couple years off just building the business when I I wasn't able to travel. So the travel I'm doing right now, I guess, is is all kind of for different reasons, depending on the trip. Um, So I did go on vacation this summer with my family, finally. And um, I met with a gym owner and learned all about the gymnastics system in the UK and so that definitely gave me some food for thought because they're very uh, they're very different than ours in that they don't have one base facility they kind of go out into the community and rent spaces and kind of spread their company through a couple different avenues um, and uh, so that that's been interesting it's kind of it's working into my strategic vision for 2019 absolutely um, I went to Chicago for a weightlifting coaching conference, which was phenomenal, run by USA Weightlifting. Um, definitely, I, you know, I got to meet a lot of high-level coaches that are way better than I am. So, obviously, I'm learning from them, and um, that's already helped uh, my athletes back home here for sure in my programming. Um, but just this past weekend, I was in Denver for a business coaching uh, mastermind for a couple days, and it's just a group made up of mostly women, but um, we're all smart, small businesses and we've all started our businesses organically and um, just troubleshooting and brainstorming and learning different, um, you know, ways to market and learning about how other people are selling and hearing how they make decisions and watching their leadership style. For sure, absolutely. It's you know, it helps me in my day to day, but it also helps me in the long term goals for all my businesses. So you obviously, we, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, that you have quite a bit of different interests in your life, but they tend to end up becoming businesses. Where do you think that comes from? Is that it's something that are your family entrepreneurs or is it just something that you're born with? My family, they are definitely not entrepreneurs. Quite, quite the opposite. Uh, my family... They are very much the, you know, get a job and stability is key and, you know, kind of the old school way of thinking. But um, I think my mom has a wild streak in her and and she does work for herself now. So 
maybe it, maybe I get it from there, but mm-hmm. by far I'm the only one in my family who's taken it to this extreme. <laughs> so I'm a little bit of a black sheep, I would say. Uh, and I don't know why, but I find that I'm happiest when I just kind of let myself, um, when I give myself permission to just be authentic in my decisions. And thankfully I have a, a husband that supports my harebrained ideas and uh, he, he always, you know, he said to me a couple of weeks ago, I get it now. I can see your vision. Nobody else can see the images in your head, but I know you have a vision. So we'll just go with it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a solid answer for that. I, um, <laughs> it's in me somewhere. I like the challenge. I like the journey of building something. And um, I like the the grittiness that's required. And I think it's a valid characteristic for people. So as long as you are passing that on and leaving your mark on society in a good way, aside from the money, then I I say, what's the harm in taking risks? You know, what do you think is next for you? Well, I have my hands in a couple different pots now. So um, (laughs) we'll continue to grow the gym. So uh, the gym is giving me different challenges. I'm working on a lot of different sales techniques for the gym. Um, and everything I do, I repurpose. So everything I'm learning in the gym, um, I'll use in my weightlifting program, whether we end up, um, you know, moving into a brand new building and, and building out the dream gym that I want, um, that remains to be seen, but everything that I do in the gym, I apply elsewhere. So I've been doing a little bit of small business mentoring and, um, small business coaching for other businesses in the community. And right now that's where I'm pulling the most inspiration and the most motivation for getting out of bed in the morning. Um, so I feel really good about that. And that would be probably my next area that I'd really like to develop for myself is just to be a better business coach and, and mm. pass on all the education and the love that I've gotten this year. What's your favorite apparatus in the gym? Oh gosh. Uh, I, I still like, uh, beam was my specialty, but I really like tumbling now. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I actually, I love, uh, I love coaching bars and vault. Those were my worst events as a competitor. Um, but as an adult, you know, I had to teach kids how to do these tricks. So I had to educate myself. And so I worked a little harder at it, but I, I really like tumbling lately. And, um, that's a program I'm trying to develop in our gym because that's where all the scholarships are nowadays. So we need to, we need to get better at our tumbling program so we can get some kids some scholarships. I didn't realize that. So uh, is that because like they want it to work into cheer and stuff for colleges or what? Why is that? Uh, there's kind of a new thing um, amongst schools. It's called acro and tumbling. So a lot of the smaller schools now have money set aside in their budget to develop this program. But it's, it's kind of a combination of the people would really shoot me if they heard me say this, but in my mind, it looks like a cross between cheerleading and and gymnastics. Um, It's a lot of uh, like pyramids and the floor tumbling passes. So mainly um, it's, I mean, it's really, it's really just that there are different heats that they go through and they compete in different rounds, but it's just tumbling and um, pyramid work with each other. So now, you know, in colleges, uh, the division one and all the NCAA gymnastics that you see on TV, those are for the elite kids and the Olympians and the level tens. And the percentage of kids that make it to that level are like 0.000001. 
Um, and those are really hard to get. So where I am, it's more realistic to think about getting scholarships for the Acro and Tumbling programs, mm, okay. the smaller schools. Those are attainable, and that's what we can do for our kids. So that's where I want to focus going forward. Cool. So when, when you talk about tumbling, are you talking about, like, the floor routines and stuff that we see in the Olympics with the music and stuff? Yeah. So in those routines, you know how they go from corner to corner and they just do a bunch of flips? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would call that a tumbling pass. So there's an actual sport now that it's just all tumbling passes. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, you know, artistic gymnastics, we call it the beam, bars, ball, and floor. That has uh, routines with music, but in acro and tumbling, there's no music. I saw you diversified your business a little bit because of the huge following for the American Ninja Warrior. Can you talk a little bit about that for, like, kids that are interested in learning how to tumble but bringing them in in a different way? Yeah, so the warrior program that we have, it's it's a co-ed program, so it's loosely based off of um, American Ninja Warrior, but we are we have we're not associated with American Ninja Warrior in any way. But there's a whole phenomenon that kind of came about in the past ten years or so with curriculums based off of obstacles and stunts and you know the salmon ladder and the pegboard and the warped wall and and all of those really fun things. So. Lucky for us, you know, we've been able to house a program that um, facilitates that. And so we get to bring in a lot more boys and a lot of uh, boys and girls that aren't really interested in technical gymnastics, but they just kind of want to have fun and stay strong and maybe learn a couple tricks here and there. So we do have that program and it does really well for us. We're getting ready to run a whole summer camp with it. That's so awesome. Jake, could you do American Ninja Warrior, you think? I could do like couch warrior <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's a really good idea actually couch to warrior yeah it'd be like yeah who can flip the channels the fastest you got it right here <laughs> <laughs> but that'll be heat one and then heat two is let's get you off the couch yeah pretty much it'd be okay now heat two is uh how fast can you get from the chair to the fridge <laughs> But see, the problem is, is I uh, I have a two year old, and he's getting to the point now where it's like he can just bring me food from the fridge, and it's getting worse. So, oh no, <laughs> yeah. I always but, wondered why why we all get so much bigger. Yeah, because we yeah, get little slaves. That was one of the things uh, Savannah and I have talked about. It's like I totally understand the sympathy eating because uh, we've noticed that we started going through about a box of Oreos a week, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, you know, after after the second baby comes, we will both. Uh, get a little more strict with at least going out and like uh, biking has always been my thing so so I think that we'll probably get a couple of bikes and one of those cool little trailers so I think one of my questions for you would be Kim what what's your favorite gymnastics thing to do you know like your favorite move or your favorite obstacle or so we have this really cool thing on bars it's called the strap bar and it's basically a steel bar with Mm -hmm. PVC pipe fit it around the steel bars and you kind of strap your hands on with nylon straps and then you can just swing forever (laughs) (laughs) you can't fall off because you're strapped on right so as an adult that's probably my favorite thing to do not that i do a lot of gymnastics anymore but but it's fun what would be your favorite workout routine olympic weightlifting is the snatch and the clean and jerk it's not so much um lifting weights for aesthetics when we work out it's mainly you know squatting and doing accessory exercises that are gonna make you better at snatch and clean and jerk so i do a whole bunch of those (laughs) 
I have fun with it and um I vary up my workouts a lot but it's all in effort that I'll be able to get on the platform and compete and not be the worst one in my weight and age class so (laughs) what is it that they're judging for at a competition like that well it's one of those things that um it's you don't get a form score but if you lift in a shitty way like you're not going to get the weight up over your head so you should have good form you know to be able to get that heavy weight up but um technically they total together the heaviest weight that you made from your snatch competition and the heaviest weight that you made from clean and jerk and that's how you win or you don't so are these competitions like the arnold classic that we see on like espn and stuff yeah, the Arnold Classic in particular it houses a whole bunch of different sports. So, but there is weightlifting at the Arnold for sure. I watched a documentary about that. It was really scary what these what these people do to themselves. The like the the strongman portion of the competition, like the world's strongest man. Like the one guy just because he was lifting so heavy, like practically had a brain aneurysm. Oh my god! His like his nose started bleeding, and he had had blood coming out of his ears it's like what you don't do stuff like that right like you're not injuring yourself to get the weight up right no I can say I have never seen or <laughs> in my life before right this very moment that's crazy <laughs> yeah ben, ben was describing it to me because um it was a it was part of well that part wasn't part of the documentary but it was a guy involved in the documentary who said like if I win the Arnold Classic for strongest man, I will hang up what I'm doing and do something else. And he won it. And then he decided that he was going to stick with it. But he was he was on a podcast or something describing the, the ramifications of him lifting the world record weight. And it was that like, he had a brain bleed as a result. Wow. I mean, you're, he's like lifting a truck over his head or something. <laughs> No, no, I'm definitely not <laughs> lifting to that level. <laughs> I'm glad you're not pushing yourself like that. No, there will be no blood coming out of my ears. Good. Um, yeah, I just, I'm trying not to suck the worst. So that's, <laughs> that's my only goal. <laughs> I mean, set the bar low and then next year you'll set it a little higher. <laughs> I mean, that's my personal strategy, really. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. So for anyone that might want to start their own gymnastics or weightlifting business, where would you suggest they should start? I would suggest that you find a mentor first and that you you get educated in business. Because what I find is that people who want to open their own business or, you know, whether it's gymnastics or you know, a restaurant or or whatever, we usually want to sell the thing and do the thing because we're good at the thing. But it turns out that's really only about 10% of what you're doing. So um, a lot of people just get into trouble down the line because they haven't taken the time to figure out how to set up their systems and um, read reports and do the books and understand their numbers and make decisions based on analysis instead of emotion. So I would highly suggest that somebody reach out to someone that's already in a position of where they want to be, somebody that's already successful, so you can cut the time, make the hacks, and figure out how to you know, make all of those mistakes in the beginning. You can, you can cut that out just by finding a mentor to begin with. It's always solid advice. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty universal, it sounds like, for any kind of – it's not necessarily just weightlifting or gymnastics. It's any kind of small business, really. Yeah, Absolutely. And, 
you know, I, I guess there are a lot of resources out there, um, small business centers and such, but um, a lot of times, you know, you just need some real life advice about your own industry. So I just think it's important to make friendships and collaborate with people from the beginning and not try and recreate the wheel. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes a lot of people that are interested in starting small businesses, I think sometimes their first thought is they don't want to talk to people because they don't want to, they feel like that that person could be their direct competition or, um, you know, they don't want to give away their secrets or something of that nature. And I feel like that's a big hurdle to, to get past. And then once you understand that, uh, getting finding somebody who can really mentor you or tell you their mistakes is a great help yeah and I think that's such a mindset shift that people just don't know they have to get over but it's so limiting and it it will crush you if you don't let go of that so soon um one of the best things that I've done is um make friendships with people in your area that aren't necessarily your competitors but um you know, for example, I have, I, she's a friend to me, but she technically is within driving distance, but she's another gym owner friend that I have that she's probably 20 miles away, but, um, we collaborate all the time and we share programs and, um, she's fantastic enough that she trains my new staff when she trains her new staff in the summertime, which helps me out a ton. Um, but we try and collaborate together as much as we can because, you know, you don't want to be the only one in an area doing something you want. You want other people to be doing it too, to create some hype and some excitement and some marketing and um, sense of community. Yeah. As a community. So if you can make friends with people in your industry around you, it's, it's only going to be a benefit for everybody. You had posted recently on your, I don't, I'm not sure if it was Instagram or Facebook that when you went to the weightlifting event where you participated, you felt like, wow, you know, they're so transparent about what they're doing. I wish that the gymnastics community was like this or felt this confident, uh, in, in their trust with the community to be this transparent. Yeah. Yeah. I have to be careful what I say here and don't get myself in trouble. It's, it's, there's a huge difference in sports. That's what I'll say. Um, and I, that's one of the reasons that I just love weightlifting because it's so easy to get involved. And if you have a desire to, to put yourself out there and, um, you know, volunteer, they'll let you volunteer and ask questions and meet important people and learn about the sport. And I just feel like it's so easy to get to know people and to learn. Um, and you know, I got to sit and eat with people that have coached at the Olympics um, for weightlifting. And I've never Mm. done that in gymnastics, you know, and this is, I haven't even been involved in weightlifting that long. So I just, it's just such a different vibe. So Jake, did you know that Kim used to own a business called Jim Fox in a Box? I saw that you wrote that down, but I didn't. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) It was really cool. I kind of forgot about that. (laughs) So how did that work? Well, all right. So what happened was, uh, so most. <laughs> what had happened was. See, what happened was. <laughs> what had happened was like my gym had a pro shop that just really wasn't selling any leotards. And I thought it was bizarre because kids have leotards. You have to wear a leotard to come to gymnastics class. So uh, I kind of just did some brainstorming and realized that. I live in a weird little pocket where my market just doesn't buy them very often. So um, I decided to start a subscription box for leotards. So that way I could reach a national market. 
and just kind of do something fun and just see where it went. So it turns out a lot of people really love leotards still, and a lot of people don't mind getting a surprise in the mail every month, and kids thought it was pretty cool. So we made Jim Fox in a box where we got their preferences and um, handpicked leotards for these little kids, you know, whoever subscribed every month. And we sent them out, and it was it was kind of a hit. So turns out it's also a lot of administrative work that was really stressing me out. So I sold it. Uh, in a matter of 10 months from open to selling, um, yeah, we built it, and then I just passed it on to some people who would rather spend time on it. I thought that was so incredible, um, the, the fact that every time that I had – talk to you your subscriptions went up and up and up and up and it was like I think this harkens back to kind of where you like where what you're good at with being able to see see a need and identify that as oh this is marketable oh you know we can find a solution for that and let's let's do this thing and then like I I don't know it's probably like a double-edged sword that you're you're built that way but like those are things that I would never even think would be a commodity to like, really? But then it's, it, it took off and I, I got to be a part of your like little graphics department for a hot minute there, which was a lot of fun. Um, but I, I was so impressed by that. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. And I know that the new owners still use the graphics that you made, Heidi. <laughs> so that, that was valuable. That got passed on to them. Um, and I know they use them. So, yeah, it's, I, I think as I grow and I kind of grow into myself as thinking of myself as a business owner and an entrepreneur, what I'm realizing is that one of my strengths is identifying holes in my market um, and just seeing opportunities. And I, it's something I never realized was a skill. Mm. But I think I've been able to develop that, you know, the longer I work for myself, the more I'm able to kind of uh, – assess needs and, and analyze what might be successful which is fun if somebody wanted to get in touch with you and or contact you about you know maybe your business or weightlifting or anything like that how would what would be a good way they could get in touch with you or maybe follow you on social media yeah i think i'm on most social media platforms just under my name so kimberly ransom i'm on instagram i'm on facebook uh, but also my gymnastics club website is pitgymclub.com uh, that's a that's an easy way to kind of see what we're doing. And, of course, we have social media for Pittsburgh Gymnastics Club as well. It's just under our name, Pittsburgh Gymnastics Club, on Instagram and Facebook. Well, Kim, we appreciate so much you taking the time to talk to us today a little bit about your history as a gym owner and uh, all of these cool things. Like, I, there's a lot that I learned just from talking to you for the, these few minutes there's more where that came from, Heidi. I could blow your mind. Oh, man, I like it when my mind is blown. It's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> well, Very I appreciate cool. you guys having me on. It's been a blast. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts, Heidi? I really enjoyed Kim's episode, mainly because it was completely out of my wheelhouse. And by completely out of my wheelhouse is that I can't even do a cartwheel. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. I can't. I am not very uh, athletically inclined myself either. Isn't it so cool that you can build a business pretty much out of any passion that you have? Yeah, I like how she just kind of, no matter 
what she has kind of endeavored into, she has gone full force, and that's that's what's so impressive. Impressive. I agree. And one of the things that was remarkable to me was that she has no family history. As like other people that we've talked to about being entrepreneurs, they kind of learned how to do it from either parents or grandparents, or it's just been like the family's own businesses. So they learned the ropes that way. And she didn't. She just said, I'm going to figure out how to do this as a business and I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to fail. Very headstrong. Yeah, she's very headstrong, very self-assured. And it, it's an incredible story that she has. It's just so interesting to see how it got started and uh, how it just continues with her. And uh, I'd be very interested to check back in with her later and see what else she's gotten into. <laughs> My gosh, like every time I talk to her, um, there's always some other crazy scheme that she's coming up with. Like, oh, have you heard of this thing? I think I'm going to try and make it a go. And then it's like, you know, six months later and she's done it and she sold it. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was so six months ago yeah yeah i can't keep up it's it's like talking to you you got you got these people that are that are dreamers you always have ideas <laughs> can't keep yeah. up that's true <laughs> <laughs> i can't keep up with my own head sometimes <laughs> but but she is she definitely has more more action with her as opposed to me i feel like i have ideas that i can spout off all day but she has ideas and action yeah that's a, she's got that's a much better combination through. yes she's got the follow through yeah, yeah. And, and she sticks with it until she's like all right i did this i'm gonna see what i can do next and that's also admirable her story is very impressive so jake what's your Fortnite forecast my forecast is just more house stuff. I mean, uh, we're still getting settled in the house. We're getting some of the last boxes uh, unpacked. So, um, you know, hanging curtains, things like that. I've got a, a laundry list of little things to do. So that, that's kind of the next thing. Um, I mean, nothing, nothing super exciting. I've got one small job that I'll be kind of traveling back and forth to the old shop to get done. Um, but there's a loose timeline on it so i'm hoping i can actually deliver after the shop gets moved and it looks like i'm gonna get electricity um mid-november so i'll be moving the shop over and probably have the week before and thanksgiving week to kind of get things set up so that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at on that i'm kind of getting a game plan together to try and make that move as smooth as possible hopefully so and just get the honey-do list done. <laughs> so, how about you, Heidi? What's your what's your forecast? <clears throat> well, I've got a quite a few of commissions for Christmas for people, and with pottery, you have to kind of start early because yeah, there's always a chance that a piece might fail, so you have to have time to recover. But um, it, it's really funny. Like every time I post a kiln unload, I get like three or four commissions, which is really exciting. And um, each one of them is very unique in, in the request. And some things that I've never done before, like I was talking about earlier, I did uh, this morning. I threw a bowl and last night, and then I cut it for it to be a yarn bowl, which I don't know if you know what a yarn bowl is. It's usually got like a little spiral in one of the sides, doesn't it? So mm -hmm. that way you can loop the yarn through? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. it just lets the yarn feed through so your ball's not rolling all over the place, right? 
Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I had a, a request for one of those. And then um, I, I finished up a couple of the uh, other commissions that I had, which makes room for my shelf <laughs> to like start working on some other ones. So a lot of mug commissions, which is really exciting. The maker mugs are a hit. And it's uh, good. The, yeah. Yeah. The kiln load that came out yesterday, I think just reinforced that for people awesome. that like it's a really unique gift and it's a really unique thing for, you know, yourself if you want one. And they're not terribly expensive either. Yeah. Considering that they're handmade and everything. So, yeah. So more of that. Ben just finished up with a couple of commissions. So he's starting on some other commissions that he has. And some Christmas projects that he had on his plate. He's also going to build me a slab bench for in my studio. Because right now, I have this breakfast nook. And anytime that I use the, the rolling pin on it, it like moves all over the place. Which isn't so great. So uh, he's going to build me one of those so that I can work a little bit more effectively. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'm hoping for it in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully faster than the lathe got set up. <laughs> uh, you know the handle broke off of it? No way. Yeah, yeah. while well, they were using it uh, to tighten the, they were tightening the load on the on the lathe, and it, it just snapped. What are you going to do? I guess not use the lathe anytime soon. <laughs> could you turn a new handle for it? Uh, if you well, could use it. kind of need the lathe to turn the handle, you know, it's like what came first, chicken, chicken and the egg. egg. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's an, on the side. I guess I can use a bolt for now, just to yeah. And a and a what do they call those? Wrench. Wrench. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag so Potter life. Technical. <laughs> Hashtag. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> just just YouTube it. You'll find you'll find the right answer. <laughs> do you, Do you have any shout outs? Speaking of YouTube. Uh yeah, actually I have a I have a YouTube uh shout out. Um I I realized how I got down this rabbit hole, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was um you were watching britney spears again weren't you uh, that's exactly how it started it started with uh, william osmond and then his friend peter streepole who is um big into rc aircrafts actually made the bicopter um phone mount that mark roper also debunked about there was a, a viral video about a bicopter phone case where you could have your phone kind of hover and watch videos or something it was interesting but while i was on peter streepole i found that he did, had done a full-size plane and that led me to uh trent palmer who i've been obsessed over the past week who is a aviation enthusiast and drone pilot and it's been really cool to kind of see his progression and he's not super huge he's got about a hundred thousand followers or so uh on youtube so, I mean, he's got a decent sized channel, but it's been really interesting to watch him because he's only gotten started over the past year and a half, two years, really. It's been really cool because he flies what they call a bush plane. He's got two big uh, wheels on the front of it, and then the third wheel is underneath the tail, so it's a tail dragging plane. But the cool part about it is with these big wheels on the front, they can land without a runway in all kinds of places. I knew that they existed, but I didn't know the depth of them and kind of stumbled on his page and just kind of really found uh, a really cool plethora of information of just kind of like how interesting everything can be wh where they go and how far they can travel and things like that and so it's been it's been really cool to follow along and uh, one of his the buddies in his flight group just finished building a plane named Draco and um, their little their little flight group is called the Flying Cowboys 
and uh, the Draco plane is absolutely insane. Uh, it has a stopping distance of like two hundred feet, hundred feet, something like that. It's crazy. Like the, just seeing these planes and how short they can stop a hundred, two hundred feet, three hundred feet, and then uh, they take off and you know about the same. It's just insane. And to see where they go and all this other stuff and. Um, the different like little flight fly-ins that they go to, which is kind of where I found Trent Palmer, was because there was a fly-in that he went to that Peter Strepel also went to. That'd be cool. <laughs> you know, in eighth grade, we had to write up what we thought we were going to do when we got older. And mm-hmm. one of the things on my list was that I wanted to be a bush pilot in Alaska. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was obsessed with planes when I was a kid. I, th- I thought I was going to join the Air Force. And I thought I was going to fly, but it turns out scoliosis is not good for the military, and I was too short for being a pilot. So it, You can't put a phone book in there? Come on. I mean, I think they frowned <laughs> upon it. <laughs> so how about you, Heidi? You got any shout-outs? I sure do. Uh, I wanted to shout-out Brian Hanna, who was so kind and generous to come over during our meetup and help us with the lathe and show some people how to use it properly. I was a little nervous to show anybody how to do it because I'm um, turned two bulls, and that's my extent of ability. <laughs> so I didn't really feel all that comfortable turning the lathe on and showing people how to do it when I didn't really have that much experience, nor have I really been instructed by anybody that knew what they were doing. It's just YouTube knowledge. So he was great. He came over. He's from Hickory, Pennsylvania, which is probably about an hour, hour and 20 minutes from my house. So he came up with his wife and they hung out. They threw on the uh, pottery wheel. He's, he's actually a real, he's really good. He did it in high school. So when he came, he kind of knew what he was doing and he threw a really nice bowl and it's upstairs drying out. So hopefully he'll be able to come back and glaze it so we can get it in the next kiln load or so he's a really great guy you can see him on instagram with hannah handicraft he's got a a pretty cool instagram setup where he takes a lot of really cool photos where he's holding his piece straight out from him and you can see like the wood but you can also see him and it's a really cool style that he's doing with his his work but he makes a lot of things on the lathe. I believe he also has a little laser cutter. It's small, but he does a really cool uh, amount of work with it, basically using it to put people's branding or people's names on the products that they order from him. So he does a lot of crochet hooks, which are really popular. And he turns bowls and handles for things. And his wife is a knitter, so she makes a lot of really cool hats and um, shawls and those kind of things. So they're really, really fun maker cool. couple. And uh, you should definitely check them out on the Instagram. Yeah, I think I, fo- I think I jumped over and followed them this weekend or last weekend when I saw you post uh, post a link to them. And it, I, I skimmed through it. It was really cool. I really liked the stuff that he had. If our listeners wanted to hear more stuff and help support the show, where could they go? They could go to our Patreon page. Sweet. Which is uh, patreon.com forward slash origin point. And if you could check us out there, you can see some cool behind the scenes stuff. And if not, you can just share the show, send a link to your family, your friends, your mom, your uncle, whoever. Give us a like on SoundCloud or on Instagram. Give us a comment. Those are always really great. They help the algorithm. They push us to more people. 
so it would be great if you're enjoying us and you're enjoying the stories that people are telling and you're thinking about, you know, the senior in high school that's getting ready to graduate. Give them the link. Give them an opportunity to listen to some unique vocations that are out there.